We are in a series called Blurred Lines. Everybody say Blurred Lines. It almost sounds unintelligent to say that word, right? Blurred. But it, uh, it's a real word. And uh, the reason why we titled this series that is because we wanted to approach the things that are a little confusing uh, in, in our culture today. Things that there is biblical truth about, but because culture has maybe taken precedence in it, uh, we've gotten a little confused on. And I, my goal in this series is to strengthen you, the believer, as well as give you a little bit of ammunition here and there to be able to, uh, to, be able to defend yourself and know what you believe and why you believe. And my biggest piece is that uh, kick you in the butt a little bit and you'll study the word for yourself and get to know your God even better. And so we started uh, this series yes, uh, last week excuse me, with, um, with a whole, where did we come from? That was the question. Um, uh, you know, uh, how did we get here? How did, is evolution right? Is creation right? We, we listed the top three um, belief systems in the United States of America on where we came from. And uh, number one was evolution, that uh, 57%, I think it was, 57% of Americans believe that the Big Bang, that we came from these pieces bumping in space, and now here we are, intelligent beings. Uh, I think 42% or so, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, uh, believe in creation, that God created us according to what the Scripture says. And then 2 or 3% believed um, that we came from aliens. And uh, I think that has a lot to do with Hollywood, just saying. Anyway, and, um, and, and so we, we studied those things. And, and we had a couple big take-homes. And uh, my, my real goal in, in approaching what we really did was kind of evaluate the evolution versus um, creationism. And my real goal in all of that was to um, debunk the lie that because evolution has somehow been billed as... Uh, as proper science, and that Christianity is religion and could even be mythical, maybe, uh, but that, oh, that evolution is proven because it's proven science. And so we were attacking that because that's not true. Uh, evolution is much of a theory and, and indoctrination into a belief system. Uh, any, it, it's, it has no more strength in the sciences as creation science does, which it does. And, um, and, and just to really begin to prove that, um, that that moment when you're standing around with somebody and they go, Are you serious? You don't believe, don't you know about this, 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 and this? And you're like, oh my goodness, I'm not a scientist. Uh, yeah, I didn't do six years of college to study biologies and all these things. And you know, I don't know about you, but I didn't. I mean, the moment you start leaking fluids out of your body, I'm like, I'm out, dude. I don't, I mean, I don't. You got that, somebody else can have that. So that's not where I put my effort and energy. And so when you have these interactions with these people, call it, quote, science, you have these conflicts, and you didn't really know where to stand. And we came back around, and we, I love the big piece that we walked away with, and that is God created us for himself. We were created by God for God. And that gives us purpose, and it gives us reason, and that's why the world is so confused without purpose or reason. See, sex and drugs and all these things, they're not really the root issue. The root issue is purposelessness. They don't really know. If I, if I wasn't created by a, by a creator, then there's no real reason. If I'm, a, I'm an explosion accident, then there's no reason for my existence. So why not eat, drink, and party and live for tomorrow we die? Because it, we're just dust to dust. There's no real value in my existence. Oh, but if there is a creator then we must surrender ourselves to the one who created us. And from him, we can, we can get our purpose, our reason for existence, and the destiny and direction for which we're heading. And it gives us life and life more abundantly. And so that's what we studied last week. This week, we're going to go after the question, aren't there many ways to heaven? So if there is a God, okay, Pastor, we agree with that. There is a God. But all these people are talking about the many different ways to heaven. And so before we jump into that, let's just go straight to prayer. Father, bless your people. 
Lord, I pray right now that you would do miraculous things. Lord God, I'm not an expert in all of the religions of the world and what they all believe and why they believe it. Oh God, that would take so many years of my life that I wouldn't be able to love these people. But Lord, I have studied to show myself approved. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, beyond my limitations, you would speak. Beyond what I'm able to do, Lord God, you would come in like a flood and do so much more. Father, I pray that you would open their hearts and their minds to hear truth from your word, not from the preacher or the pastor, but from you. And Lord God, that you would uh, take everything that's true and it would seal in their heart and anything that's Adam McCain and fleshliness, just let them be able to spit that out and not even be able to be uh, affected by it. Lord, today... Be glorified, for you are the Lord, our God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We'll start with a passage of Scripture today in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is in the midst of a discussion with his disciples about the end of the world, the end times as we, we deem that, how it will be in the end. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 qualifies that the end, no man knows when that will be. Not even the Son of Man, not even me, he's saying. Only the Father, not the angels. Nobody knows when that time will come. But Jesus said, well, you will be able to tell simply because of the signs or birth pains as he called them you know that the baby's about to come when your wife goes ah that's it's, it's happening and so jesus said he started listing out some of those wars and rumors of wars earthquakes famines pestilence things like that and then he makes this statement and let's hone in on this in verse 11 of matthew 24 and he says and many false prophets will appear and deceive everybody say it with me many people let's try it again and many false prophets will appear and deceive Many people, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Now, this passage is really talking about within the church, within, within the believers, that many false prophets and many false teachers will appear and confuse, and the love of most will grow cold. But I think it's also applicable to the fact that literally, and, and especially in our nation, a Christian nation, that many false religions, many false teachings will happen and deceive people and confuse people. And friend, we're living in an hour like that. The top four religions, check them out on the board, Christianity is still the most participated in with 2.2 billion in the earth today. Come on, give yourselves a hand for being a part of that. Fastly rising, and by some people's estimation, Islam is now the fastest growing religion. That's debatable by different groups of people, but at, they're at 1.6 billion. And then secular humanism, or uh, being atheist or agnostic, is uh, at, a, at a real strong third with 1.1 billion. And then Hinduism at 1 billion flat, somewhere in that range. And then there are the other religions. There are scores and scores and scores of religion, maybe hundreds, you know, depending on how you break them down and under what heading you put them all under. And so as we look at these, we see that many things are transpiring in all of these different religions. And, uh, and you know, I, I love this, uh, this uh, uh, extrapolated, uh, C.S. Lewis extrapolated something from uh, Rudolf Otto, who was a German philosopher. And he said, there are three main things that all the religions seem to have similar. First off, a belief in a divine essence of some sort. There is a divine essence of some sort. That's what all the religions would agree on. Number two is that there's a belief in a moral law, some kind of moral code given, number three, given that moral code being given and kept or the keeper of that being that divine essence. So there, is a, there is a God, there's a divine expectation or a moral law that he expects, and then he, the God or she, uh, actually controls that and, and extrapolates that, or expects that and, and, and oversees that. And so all religions would somehow agree with those kind of things. And I think that's pretty noteworthy because you've got to understand as all of these religions are looking more and more alike or a little bit more like this or a little bit more like that, what has now transpired, if Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world, I would argue that, um, that pluralism is the fastest growing religion in the United States. I would argue that pluralism, which means all, 
many ways, all the ways of religions lead to God. That is what pluralism really is. And so I would argue that that's probably one of the sexiest, if you will, the hipster religion of our day. In fact, I'd like to take an old clip from about 10 years ago uh, where Oprah is talking about her belief system in that, in a circle of people on her show. She doesn't have her show anymore. But I think that she wasn't um, isolated. I think it was growing even then and is even more growing now. So let's show a quick clip of Oprah. The panel has been discussing the spirituality and the forces of God. But I also believe that there are two forces that are here with us, that we do have our, our, our God that we can depend on, but there's also a power of darkness that we do need to be aware of. And, and that's you, where the choice is Do you begin. believe that, that you can choose between one or the other? Most, most absolute definitely. Yeah. Now, now Marianne uh, Williamson says in her book, Return to Love, that we're always walking in the direction of one or the other, that all of your actions in life, either you're moving toward the darkness or you're moving toward the light. Right. She calls it fear and love. There's this wonderful book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, which talks, it, which, which is, anyway, it's a gorilla talking, but anyway. Uh, it talks about one of the points it brings out is one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world that there are millions of ways to be then a human being and, and many ways no but many paths no to what you call god that and her crazy. path might be something else and when she gets there she might call it the light but her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her if it brings her to the same point that it brings you it doesn't matter whether she called it god along the way or not and i guess the danger that could be on that i mean it, it all right we'll stop great. it right there so I, i'm not sure if this is still oprah's stance i mean this is 10 years ago but i do this is what's called pluralism that there are many ways to god and that is if you will in my opinion especially amongst the millennials the sexy cool new religion of the day and the reason why is because you know millennials obviously are are so and millennials being those people born after 1980 so those in their late teens 20s and 30s and even in some of you into your 40s have taken on millennial characteristics but you know those of uh, the millennial generation have a lot of different significant uh, uh, um, ideologies about themselves they're very tolerant they they um, they they uh, they believe that they can do anything with technology and things like that and and one of the key pieces that they and when approaching religion that millennials look to pluralism I believe and here's the three reasons why I believe it's so important to them number one it's because of enlightenment so uh, the younger generation believes that you know what listen this is a more enlightened way of looking at religion that surely if there is a God and he is a loving, caring God, then surely he would allow there to be multiple paths to him. And this is a more enlightened way. Instead of being in this so, you know, intolerant type of concept that there is only one way or this religion is right or this religion is wrong. Actually, it's more enlightened to see it as, you know, there are many ways. Whatever works for you is really okay. And they would really embrace, millennials especially. That's why those of you that are older are like, what are you thinking? And the reason why is because they're millennials. And because in millennials, they, they, they don't want to be offensive. And, they, you know, your opinion is your opinion. Which leads me to the second point on the reasons why millennials would embrace or this would be attracted to them. And that is because millennials believe you should be humble in your belief system. Millennials believe that there is no absolute truth. There's no absolute right and wrong. And that's, thank you, evolution, for the last 50 years. 
thank you there is no real God for the last 50, 60 years in our education system. So there is no real right and wrong. There's no absolute. What's absolute for you may not be absolute for this person. That's why there's no absolute right and wrong. That's why it's okay for, the per- for a person to do this because they see it as right, even though it's hurtful for me, but they see it as right. And so as because of their humility in that, and what's really happened, to be honest with you, is that the church is to blame for some of this, and I'll tell you why. It's because when they have a friend who's, an, is, who's a Muslim, or they have a friend, which we all have now as a global economy and global generation, but how, all these people with different religions, they see that they have more character, they see they have more integrity, they see that their yes is yes and their no is no, and then they look at Christianity many times, or the church they grew up in, which is what happened to Oprah, she grew up Baptist, and she said, you're, you're stubborn, you're mean, you're insincere, come on now, and so, but, the, but the, my Muslim friend, he always shows up like he says he's going to show up, or my friend who's, uh, who, who's Hindu, you know, they at least are always having spiritual experiences of some sort when they do their yoga and all these other things, and so at least they are genuine and not ingenuous like, like, like Christians are, and so what's happened is they compared socially to what is, and, and then made it truth, and just because it's socially accepted doesn't make it truth, but because there's a humble approach to it, and they see, and, and they don't see the arrogance, but can I just tell you something? Let me just divert for a second. Uh, you can't call it arrogance that the fire alarm is going off because there's a, fi- a flame coming up the hallway to you. And you say, I wish you wouldn't be so loud and so arrogant. And I wish you wouldn't wake me up. I'm enjoying where I'm at. But you're going, wow, wow, wow. And I just want to enjoy my life. And how dare you be that fire alarm to me. Friend, can I tell you, that's not, that, that's not arrogance. That's, not, that, that, that's being real. That's being honest. That's being authentic. That I know that I have truth. I have to tell you that truth. But this is why they would embrace pluralism that all religions lead to God, that all of them would lead to God. The millennials, even in this room today, would struggle with the fact that saying to their friend, you know, I really can't tell you that you're not going to go to heaven. You seem so sincere. You seem so convinced of it. And I just really, and here's a statement that I hear a lot of time from millennials, and that is, who am I to judge someone else's religion to tell them they are wrong? And so you see that this is what, how millennials think. And so embra- embracing pluralism is a quick movement that's happening here in the United States because millennials have this whole concept that there's no actual right and wrong, that it's all relative based on how you see it and how you feel about it. And any of us who've been ministering or raising up millennials, we could even encapsulate some of those concepts. It's all throughout Hollywood, all throughout our education system, all throughout you know, our politics and things like that. And the bottom line is there is truth. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. Here's the third reason that millennials embrace pluralism, and that's because it's tolerant. It's tolerant. And, and, and that's a big you know, buzzword for the last 10 years. We need to be tolerant. We need to be understanding. We need to be tolerant to one another. And, uh, and I would agree with that. We need to be understanding. But tolerance says, I will allow you to do what you want to do because I understand that you think that that's right. Everyone is tolerant until they rape your kid. Let's see how tolerant you are. Everyone's really tolerant and preaches tolerances in this generation until they're the one who got fired uh, unjustly. And then tolerance goes out the window because we're all self-seeking. Come on, somebody, let's speak the truth. And so that tolerance goes right out the window when it's applied to something that affects you. But we want them to have, but that person says, but I just want to. It's, it's how I do it. It's how I see it. It's what I think is proper and right. And so even though it affects you negatively, it's good for me. And then, so then how, 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 uh, how fake is your tolerance when all of a sudden you're mad at them because what they did was what they enjoyed doing. And that's the problem in this generation and the generation we're raising up is that this whole tolerance concept, and I love it like this. How about this statement? When asserting all religions lead to God. When making that assessment, 
the distinction in very different views of God and how to reach the divine in Buddhism, Hinduism, Christianity, Islam are all brushed aside in one powerful brush, one powerful swoop. The eight noble paths, the eightfold noble path, the pillars of Islam, the gospel of Christ are not tolerated but told they must submit to a new religious claim, religious pluralism, despite the fact that it isn't even what those religions teach. So let me tell you how foolish pluralism is. Pluralism says all religions lead to God, whatever you think. The problem is none of those religions agree with that. Islam does not say, oh yeah, all religions lead to God. Christianity, we do not say, yes, all paths lead to God. And so to say that all religions lead to God, what you're saying is, let me stand over the top of you guys, look down and say, oh, you little guys, you don't really know what you're doing. I actually know more than you, and I am more insightful, I am more enlightened, and all of your paths will actually get you there. Don't be upset with each other. I understand, for I am enlightened. How intolerant can that be? That the Islamics say that, no, this is right. The Christians no, this is the right way. And so what we have is this confusion happening in our generation that all religions lead to God. And friend, I want you to know something. That's not true. In fact, let me tell you what we believe and what sets us apart as Christians. Are you with me? Say yes. Oh, come on. Are you there? Say yes. First and foremost, what sets us apart as Christians? Number one, the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity. You say, well, Trinity, what is that? Now, I heard that word's not even in the Bible. That's right. It's not in the Bible. We use that word to explain what we see happening in the Bible. In fact, let me kind of point out this passage of Scripture. Just kind of see. And what we mean by the Trinity is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all God in one. That one God expressing himself in three ways. One God expressing himself in three ways. Three personalities of God, if you will. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so what we see here, look in John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my, my teaching. My father will love him, and we, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus putting himself on the same plane as God the Father. So he's God. And, who, and he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but... The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Listen to me. So Jesus is is literally identifying. There's the Father, there's me, and there's the Holy Spirit. In fact, the moment that John the Baptist baptized Jesus and he came out of the water, a voice from heaven, it says the Father spoke and said, This is my Son, whom I'm well pleased. And in that moment, a dove, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, came and lighted upon Jesus. And then it says in Scripture that the Holy Spirit led him out. Friend, the reason why this is so critical is because we see our God operating in relationship. He's operating in relationship with himself, which means he also operates in relationship with us. None of the other religions of the world have any kind of relationship with their God. Their God is either not there where they can't really see him, but they think he or she exists, or either he's like the, uh, like the Islam says, that he's this God, this monotheistic God, has no relationship with anyone because he's above relationships, and everything else is subservient to him. Do what he says, and you might get to heaven. This is the concept, but in our Christianity, in our religion, our God not only created us, but he loves us. He not only has relationship within and of himself, but he has relationship with us. And he doesn't just call us servants, he calls us friends. And let me tell you something, I wouldn't be a part of anything that I couldn't have relationship with the one I'm serving, the one I love, the one who created me. This is the God we serve. Somebody else say amen. And that's why the gospel, the, the, the doctrine of the Trinity is so important. Here's a second piece that's so important to us, and that is the incarnation of Christ. 
the incarnation of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 5. It says, for what I received, this is Paul speaking, I passed on to you, look at this little part, as a first importance. Everybody say first importance. I passed, look, what I got, I gave to you as the most important, the first importance. I never used that term before, but I'm going to start using it. I'm going to say, baby, I want to talk to you right now of first importance. He's of first importance. And look what is first importance that I gave you that I got from God. That is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Friend, let me explain something to you. Jesus wasn't a good man. He was the God man. God came down in flesh, became like us, took on human form. God took on flesh and lived amongst us and never once sinned. He took on all the temptations of this world. He took them on and knocked them down because he was God in the flesh, incarnate. He was the incarnate Savior. And so God came down, lived amongst us, felt our pain, felt our suffering, and ministered to us. And then not only did he do that, but he allowed us to murder him because there needed to be a sacrifice for all of our sins. There needed to be a payment for what we did and what we were continuing to do. And Jesus said, I'll pay the price. He died on the cross and then he didn't stay dead. Listen, let me tell you something. He's not a good prophet who just said some good things and lived a good life. He was God incarnate. He's not Muhammad who was a good dude and had these little issues and things like that. And if you, and if you listen to what he said was true, that that'll be good for you. No, no. God came down in the flesh and dwelt amongst men and became the sacrifice for our sins And then after having died, he resurrected. Who else can claim that, my friend? All theirs are still dead in the grave. Our God rose from the dead. That's why it's so important to defend the, uh, the, the, uh, the virgin birth. That's why. Because if, he was just, if, if, if she had sex with some man and Jesus came out, then he's not God. And, and that's why we have to protect that he raised from the dead. Because and that's why the Bible is so clear. This report, this report, this eyewitness, this eyewitness. The reason why it was so important, because there was no way that a dead God, a human who died, could be our Savior. It had to be a living God who not only died, but had the power to resurrect. Are you with me? Say yes. This is the God we serve. And here's the next piece. And that is critical to us and separates us out from everybody else's opinions. And that is, we have salvation by grace. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Frank, can I explain that to you for just a moment? All the other religions talk about what you have to do to be accepted by that God. Do you know in Islam, they don't even know if they do enough that they're going to actually get in there. They're hoping for the thousand virgins. Poor ladies, what do they get? Five thousand virgin men? Anyway, so, I mean, they have to do all these works. And then they hope that they get in. There's no confidence of salvation. Friend, can I tell you something? We have confidence of salvation not because of what we do or don't do, because of what he did. Because of what he did. And that grace is extended to you and me when we have faith in him. When we say, I believe it, I receive it, you are my God, I will serve you and give you my whole life. When we do that, we have assurance of faith, not because of what we did or didn't do, but because of what he did, because of who he is, because we have a relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. And as a result of having faith in him, our eternity is secure. Our salvation is secure. Our relationship is secure through faith. Are you there? 
Come on, that's a good place to say amen. There were this moment in Luke chapter 23 when Jesus is on the cross. Check this out. Verse 39 of Luke chapter 23. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled in insults. That's why you see the three crosses. There were, there were two criminals on either side, one on either side of Jesus at his death. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. And look what this man starts doing. He starts testifying the truth. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. This man, this man, listen, this man's account was full of sin, was full of horror. He had killed probably, he had stolen, he was, he was hanging because, quote, he, he stole. But friend, let me tell you something, they just didn't hang you just because you stole an orange. He had done all kinds of craziness and he got finally busted and he's on that cross. And let me tell you something, his account had not got his sponge. It had not been because he did good things that made the account come back up. No, his account was full of wickedness and sinfulness. And in that moment, standing next, excuse me, hanging next, to the king of glory, God's main flesh amongst us. As he looks over there, he recognized this is the king of glory. Might even have attended one of his meetings. But he looks at him and he says, sir, I know I'm wicked. Could you have mercy on me today? He didn't tithe. Come on, somebody. He didn't have a great sinner's prayer. He didn't go into giving, giving uh, good deeds around the community. He never once said, uh, you know, uh, 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 nice things about, uh, you know, his family and things like that. He said, could you have mercy? mercy on me please and Jesus looked at him and said today you will be with me in paradise and as they die Jesus comes walking in and says daddy I picked this straggler up on the roadside on my way over and all that man did he didn't give money come on somebody he didn't do 25 Hail Marys come on he didn't light any candles are you with me he just simply put his faith in that man right there who is the God of all gods the king of all kings could you please have mercy on me and our God did not look at him and say no for you have been wicked and horrible and you deserve what you get he didn't take him off the cross the man still died but whatever man sows that shall he also reap be careful with that false doctrine but he said, today you will be with me in paradise. For eternity, I will have expunged what you did just simply because you put your faith in me. Friend, this is the God we serve. This is Christianity. Well, the problem that we have with all the other religions is that they all argue that they are the truth as well. But look at this truth. See, I'm convinced neither death their life, their principalities, their powers can separate me from the love of Christ. Jesus said it like this in John 14, 6. And this is really, if you will, our key verse for the day. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Say it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus lays out the three parts here. Oh, here we go, Trinity. Um, he lays out these three parts. I'm the way. Friend, I appreciate all the other religions. I so appreciate them. I appreciate their morality that many of them bring. I appreciate their work ethic. I appreciate the good deeds that they do. I appreciate the peace that they bring. But at the end of the day, he is the way. 
There is no other way. There is no other path. You say, oh, isn't that just a little bit mean? No. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. He can say this because he is the way. He is the way. He, he's the way. Listen, he, why would you say, hey, friend, it's okay. I know you're going down the wrong road, and, and it's going to end in your death. But I want to just, I'm just glad you're on a road. I'm just glad you're driving. Wow, thanks for being good people, man. No, Jesus said, I am the way. Then he moves on and he says this next piece, I am the truth. He is the genuine truth. See, can I tell you something? Not only did God create us, but he created truth. So he knows what truth is. You say, isn't that a little arrogant to say I am the truth? Not when you're the truth. Not when you're the truth. It would, be, it, it would be fake to not say that, to not be, if you're the truth, how dare you hide that and pretend you're not? If you're the truth, you're the truth. Listen, I, listen, it's not arrogance that Michael Phelps stands up there and says, I'm the greatest swimmer. He's the greatest swimmer. He whooped everybody. I don't care if he, if he well, I just don't like that little smirk thing he does. Well, I don't either, but it, he's, he's the best. You'd be smirking too if you were the best. If you and I was up there, we'd be like, ah, ah. I worked harder than all you suckers. I've been doing this since I was a kid, man. I never had a Snickers bar. I mean, I'm telling you right there. That last, that last one, I've been giving me Snickers bar. I've been eating them. I worked harder than you. I am the best. That's what Jesus, I am the truth. I'm the creator of truth. There is no truth outside of me. And then lastly, he says, and I am the, tr- the life. Can I tell you something? I, 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 Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. If, if you're just going to church and you're putting some money in the plate and you're trying to go to a small group every now and then and there's no life in it, friend, I don't think you really know Jesus. I was wicked. My family was wicked. I was, was going to bust hell wide open and bring a lot of people with me because I'm such an influencer. And then Jesus came into our life. And he transformed me. And I found the way. I learned truth. And I have life. I am com- completely convinced that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I appreciate all my friends that are, is, are Muslims. I love all folks. And I appreciate that. But for me, to not say that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and to say, it's okay, I'm sure your way will get you there, that in and of itself is such a lie and such the most horrible thing I could do and could be. If you have the truth, it's the truth. He said, well, but, but, but maybe you don't really have. See, the problem is that Christians don't necessarily believe the truth anymore. That's our problem is that you've been convinced because you've been listening to all these other people's podcasts and watching all these other videos and having these conversations, and you within yourself are not convinced because either you've never really met Jesus, according to my Calvinist friends, or somewhere along the way, your love has grown cold, which is what Jesus prophesied would happen. Friend, I love that woman right there. I tell you, I give my life her day. I am so convinced that she loves me and I love her that I don't have this moment of insecurity when she's talking to somebody up in the city, some 
gentleman that she has to meet with or something like that, and they always meet in groups. I don't get because I know she's got the best. What else could she ever? <laughs> Lord, I repent right now. <laughs> I repent. I'm being stupid. All right, let me give you. Uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> So, so listen, we've got all these other religions happening. We've got this pluralism thing really making its way through the millennials. What do we do? What do we do? Give, let me give you a couple thoughts on what we need to do as believers who love Jesus and know he's the way, the truth, and the life. Number one, we have to have confidence in Jesus. We've got to have confidence in Jesus. Uh, listen, we, we have to have confidence in who we believe. I know from whom I believe. I love that beautiful passage where... Where the guy, remember the blind guy, Jesus heals him in the temple and everybody goes crazy and, and, uh, and uh, is, he's blind or is he lame? I got him confused. I think he's blind. Who cares? He healed so many people. Let's just pick one. No reason to be doctrinally accurate. It's just church. I think he's blind. Yeah. I just had a moment of insecurity there. <laughs> And so they all come running up to him, and, uh, and, and, you know, he's jumping, and he's excited. And then the, you know, then the temple guys all come in there, and the religious leaders, and who said you could heal this guy? And how, did, how did this happen? And I love it. In that interaction, he goes, do you want to make Jesus your Lord too? And they're like, because they pull him aside, and they're trying to find some way to get Jesus, you know. And, and he goes, and they start asking, did you do this and do that? And they bring his parents in. And they go, look, we don't know. All, we don't know. Uh, we don't know how this happened. And so, because, you know, they're going to excommunicate him from the, from the church and all this kind of stuff. And finally, the guy says this. He goes, listen, I don't know all the things you're asking. All I know is once I was blind, and now I see. See, listen, I don't know what all the other religions believe. I don't really care. All I know is once I was blind, and now I see. All I know was my life was full of misery. It was full of worthlessness, purposelessness, and all of a sudden Jesus came into my life. That I found the way, the truth, and the life. All I know is once I was blind, and now I see. I don't have all your your theological things all figured out. I don't know what all your I don't really care. All I know is once I was lost, and now I'm found. All I know is once I was destructive and horrible and wicked, and His life came inside of me, and the life light of men shone down on me and life has come inside of me and many 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 things have transformed in my life but I'm still on a journey upward come on friend this is what this is the confidence that you got to have either he's God or he's not this little bit of insecurity because of all these other people's thoughts and all that you've left in because you want to be their friend and you want to be kind and gracious to them I appreciate that thank you thank you for being like that but at the end of the day do you believe in Jesus is he the way the truth, and the life to you. Because if he's not, you're bringing as much confusion to their problem as, as anybody else is. Because I am convinced for whom I put my trust in, put my faith in. You say, well, what can we really know? See, I'm telling you, you've gotten this whole humanistic thing inside of you. Either believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, or don't. But half in, half out is why you got splinters in your britches. You need to get on one side of the fence or the other. Make your decision and live with it. Isn't that good? Say yes. Okay. Here's a, you, you know, I, 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 you, let me just, I want to illustrate this for a moment. Back to the Michael Phelps thing. I just was, it was the only thing on uh, all week. I, I guess we don't have any other sports we compete in. Or either, like my daughter said, we must, sorry for the Christian curse word, we must suck at all the other sports so bad that these are the only ones they can put on TV because uh, we actually might win. Anyway, so... <laughs> But so, so I don't know if you saw this. They made a big deal of it because uh, this South African guy, Lecrae Lacrosse, I don't know. He's not Lecrae. That's a rapper. But anyway, Lacrosse or something. 
<laughs> what is it, LaCroix? Thank you. And uh, so he's South African, and he and Phelps have been going at it for years. And, uh, and he actually built, beat Phelps a couple years ago, blah, blah, blah. And so, and, and, and their big thing is, uh, I think it was at the 200 fly, yeah, butterfly. And so um, right before the 200 fly, Phelps is sitting in his chair. And this other guy, this guy, LaCroix, LaCroix, whatever, LaCroix. And so he goes, and he starts standing in front of him. <laughs> I mean, he's here to here. And, and Phelps is just sitting there trying to get his game face on. And he's doing all this, you know. And all this kind of hilarious. You got to go back and watch it. And so, and so, and the, and the commentator's like, oh my God, I've never seen this. This is great TV. And so they're all into it, you know. And then they get on the blocks to jump in, right? And they're about to, and the whole time as they're getting on the blocks, he's looking at him, trying to stare him down. Phelps is like this, you know, he's trying to stare him down. Suction cup, suction cup. I mean, they're just doing all that, you know. And so once. The, once the go button happens and they jump in the water, the whole race, this is what he's doing. He's watching Phelps. He's evaluating himself, not by his own merit, but how well Phelps is doing. See, friend, let me tell you something. When you know you got the right one, and you know you the right, you got the right God and the right place. I don't really care what everybody else is doing beyond. I'm just gonna keep on towards my thing. Everybody, they can look at me. I'm not looking at you. Listen, you're so confused, and your confusion is gonna make me confused. I'm just gonna go ahead and win the race. God bless you. This is the. You need to be confident from whom you get your strength from. All right, number two. And that is, how do we deal with all these other religions, all the stuff that's happening and kind of the confusion? Number two, we need to provoke them to jealousy. This was an Old Testament concept. We see God dealing with the Israelites with this. And literally, he was saying, listen, I'm going I'm to so show you so much love that all the other nations of the world, all the fallen away Israelis, all these people who, who you know, have stopped loving me as their God, they're going to see how much I love you, and it's going to provoke them to jealousy. They're going, to want, they're going to want me back, baby. They're going to say, what have I done? And then we see Paul dealing with this in the book of Romans. He actually says it like this. And he's talking in reference to his Israeli, his Jewish friends who have not made Jesus their Messiah. And he says it like this. He's talking about how, um, how beautiful they are. He's talking about how we need to love them, how we've been grafted into them. And we should not think that we're better than them or that literally that God has kicked them out and accepted Christianity and done away with the Jews, that they're still his special people. And he says this in verse 14 of Romans 11, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. Listen, I know they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, but let me tell you something. God's using me to heal the sick and raise the dead. He's causing me to live full of life. Even when they try to kill me, I come back to life. Even when they hate me, I bless them. Even when they're all against me, I still give them love and compassion and give my life for them. And I want that to cause all the other guys to be jealous and say, what kind of religion is that? What kind of, you must know the living God. You must have such an inroads with him. You must be best friends with him. What I'm doing ain't working so I want what you got because what you got seems to be full of life and truth and it seems to be the right pathway I want on that path because my road is leading to destruction my road is leading to confusion my road has caused everything in my life to be destructive and confused and so forth and so on. you say oh oh that's right because if you become Christian everything will be awesome and blessed that's not true that's not true that's a false doctrine If you come to Christ, he'll be with you through every step of the way. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Yo, yay, though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Not, I will never walk through pain or I'll be blessed. No, that's awesome. We are blessed because he's with us in it. Not because we have monetary value, because we have nicer cars than everybody else, because our house is nicer than everybody else. Oh, God does want you to be prosperous and bless you so that you can be a blessing. But that's not the proof that he's with you. That's the point I'm trying to make. Friend, let me tell you something. When they see that our marriages have Jesus in the middle of it and they can't keep theirs together, it'll provoke them to jealousy. One of our greatest testimonies for Jamie and I is not how much we love Jesus, but how much our kids love Jesus. People tell me all the time, mm-hmm. they'll watch, you know, they'll watch my kids. I went to a church with a bunch of PKs, mm-hmm, we're going to see what they do. And then after about six months, they'll come up to me, your kids are pretty good people. Mm-hmm, they're pretty good people. I think the difference is, is that my kids have never seen dead religion. They've seen a real relationship with the living God, with all of its ups and downs with all of its difficulties and all of its beauties, with all the precious pieces and all the horrible pieces. And my prayer, since they were little babies laying in their cribs, oh God, may these children who belong to you that I'm just a steward of, may they know you personally. May they never have mom and dad's relationship but have their own relationship. May you come into their bedroom in the middle of the night like you did little Samuel and interact with them, call them by name. So my kids have experienced God for themselves, the way, the truth, and the life. For themselves. And so they are responding not to what we said is how you should act good and not act bad. They're responding to what he is working through them. Their love that they have for their own God and working through them. That's provoking others to jealousy around me. They're like, wow, my kids are demons. How did you get that? <laughs> like, it's just Jesus, bro, I promise you. Because I do not have the corner edge on how to raise kids. In fact, I'm so messed up, I can't believe they even love God. And so that's, this is the piece of provoking them to jealousy. That's what Paul said was his strategy. That's what God said was his strategy in the Old Testament. And I think that should be what we do. Not that we're telling them they're horrible, wicked, stupid, ignorant. How dumb can you be? All right? I mean, you never even can't, how damn can you be? You don't even have a God, you hindu dewy person. How, how dumb, you know, uh, that's, that's not the answer. The answer is, let us run our race with all we got. Number three, last and final piece. Thank you for your patience today. And that is, we need to love them like Jesus did. This is our Achilles heel. This is our Achilles heel. Because we are flesh and bone, are we not? I mean, how quickly do you and I get mad at Walmart when they take our parking spot? We don't jump in. God bless you, you Muslim. Oh, just bless you, man. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having some kind of moral code. Um, thank you. I don't do that. Man, it's amazing how quickly some of you guys can lose your salvation in Walmart. It's amazing. You'd be blessing Jesus on Sunday and cursing people on Monday. It's ama- Why? Because we have a flesh, right? We're still crucifying it, right? I, I, I'm still, listen, the Bible, the Bible talks about it's our own evil desires that drag us into temptation. I mean, I can't blame it on God or that person at Walmart. I, it's my own flesh that still the demons push on it and I respond. My flesh responds. I'm trying to get that crucified. I'm trying to kill that daily. And so it's our own Achilles heel because we don't treat people like Jesus did. That's what was so beautiful about him. Jesus was kind. He did walk in peace and joy. Nothing really rattled him. He did do good. His good was a little different. Yeah, 
Yeah, he didn't just um, give away cars like Oprah. No, he gave people the ability to drive cars. He didn't just, he didn't just you know, uh, 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 do some little uh, side therapy to help people feel good. And if they just get tap into their Zen worship, they could have more peace and inner child. And no, 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 he delivered them from the demons that were driving them insane and gave them a new lease on life. Oh, he went about doing good. And, and yeah, we should be like him in that. And, and yeah, we need to. But let me tell you something. He didn't go about doing good, and that wasn't his religion. His religion was this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It's not about doing good or being nice. But friend, if we're going to touch our generation, if we're going to help those who are confused about which way is the right way, and all the deceptive things that are happening, all these false religions that are happening all around, many false prophets and false teachers will arise. And many will fall away. And the love of most will grow cold. Friend, we have to love like Jesus loved. Can I tell you something? It's easy to love when you walk in confidence. Jesus said, look, you can't hurt me. I'm going to die for you. That's got to be our attitude. Listen, if you can't take from me, I'll give it to you. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago. This is the love of Christ. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's gentle. He keeps no record of wrong. You know why you got such conflict in your office? Because you won't love like Jesus did. And you blame it on the fact, well, they're Catholic. They're atheists. My atheist boss hates me and, 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 and just, I mean, makes my life miserable. No, I bet it's not that. I bet it's that you lazy and don't show up for work on time. Seriously, we've done more damage to ourselves. I'll never forget, I was running Christ for the nations and, and, uh, and I, I, was, I was at this restaurant, interacted with this gentleman, uh, somehow met this guy, and he, he ran this business. And I said, uh, I said, oh, wow, you got a business downtown? He goes, yeah. I said, listen, uh, would you ever consider hiring college students? He goes, I love college students. I said, well, I run Christ for the nation. He said, heck no. No, sir. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I hired one of your people one time. I said, oh, did you have a bad experience? He said, the worst experience of my life. I said, he said, she went around praying for everybody prophesying to everybody, never once did her job, and then at the end of it all, stole $20 from me. I said, I am so sorry. If you tell me who she is, I'll cast the devil out of her. I said, but that is not Christ-like, and that's not the way of Jesus. He thought that's what Christianity was. You can't blame him for thinking that when we've mishandled it, amen? And so it's our time. Would you stand with me all across the room? You guys have been gracious and wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to truth today. I am the way, Jesus said. The truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Can I tell you? You made the right choice. Come on. You got the right one, baby. (laughs) Would you join hands with that person next to you today as we close out? I want to pray over you. Father, I pray over your people today. Lord, I pray the fear, the insecurity, the doubt that uh, maybe they're not highly, highly studied on all these other religions and so when they interact with them Lord God they have a little bit of fear and trepidation Lord I pray for the confidence that comes from knowing I don't know all that all I know is once I was blind and now I see I don't have all those arguments studied up like you do buddy I haven't devoted my life to foolishness all I know is I am serving Jesus who is the way the truth and the life Father I just pray for that confidence well up inside every man and woman in this room right now in Jesus name Lord, I pray for our friends. Come on, I want you to take a moment and pray with our... Let's pray for our friends that are Muslim. I want to pray for my friends that are atheists. I've got plenty of them. Jesus, the Bible says, was a friend with sinners. You don't have any lost friends? You don't have any sinner friends? (laughs) You're not like Jesus. 
And I want you to just take a moment. Maybe you've got a relative. Maybe you've got a child. Maybe you've got a, a grandchild that's really, really been studying Eastern mysticism and, and uh, really all that whole, you know, all that whole craziness about, you know, multiple ways to heaven. That's just pantheism. That's old school. It's just really, it's us saying, I want to be my own God because I don't want to submit to the God of the Bible. That's all these other things that really have started from, many of them. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we cry out for our friends. Lord, help us love them like you, lo- you would love them, Jesus. Lord, help us, Lord God, not be scared. The truth is truth. It's honest. It's real. Lord, may we love you in such a way and you love us in such a way that it provokes them to jealousy to say, man, what is it? My God doesn't even talk to me. My God surely would never heal me. My, I'm not even confident if my God loves me. I don't know if I've done enough to be accepted by my God. Lord, I just thank you right now, Lord Jesus, that your bride is a beautiful bride. That, Lord God, that your people are a beautiful people. That, Lord God, with all of our hiccups and all of our dirt and all of our mess-ups and all of our sinfulness, oh God, you gave grace. You gave grace. And through faith, I have a way to the Father through Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that precious, precious opportunity. Would you let go of the hands of that person next to you? Just keep your head bowed. If today you've not made Jesus your Lord and Savior, if today you've been indecisive, you've been on the fence on this side and on that side, I'm not talking about different religions. I'm just talking about your own religion, and that is the religion of you. You. You, you've been too busy to care about the living God. You've been too consumed with your own problems to even want to serve the God that created you. But today, God miraculously got you here. You can hear my voice. And you have to forgive me if I'm like a a fire alarm going off in your hallway. I just know the fearful expectation that awaits those who do not know Jesus as their Savior. I know the the damnation that awaits for those who have rejected Jesus' love and what He did on the cross. I know that, that hell was never originally created for humanity, but for Satan and all the demons that followed Him in rebellion against God. And that in our own rebellion, we destined ourselves to that place. He said, well, I didn't. Well, no, but humanity did. And you were born into sin. You were born into that humanity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God or you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, please, friend, please don't leave this place. You say, what do I have to do? I don't want to be like this. Listen, that man on that cross, that thief, that, that person who had been wicked and vile and deserved the death that he sentence that he had been given, he came to an understanding. Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. And he cried out in a moment of revelation, Sir, would you please have mercy on me? And Jesus didn't slap him in the face. Jesus didn't go through his wash list. Not until you do this, buddy. Not until you do this, buddy. Not until you do this. No, no, no. Jesus said, Yes, today you will be with me in paradise. Friend, Jesus will clean up all your mistakes. One terrible conference at a time, probably. Oh, but let me just tell you now, grace is extended to all those who will put their faith in Him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from Jesus, you're not a Christian, you know it. And today, you want to put your faith in Him. You want to ask for mercy. And you want to receive grace. With no one looking around, would you just admit that by lifting your hand right where you stand and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you, sweetheart. Thank you, sweetie. God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless you, man of God. Anybody else? Make sure you see it. I see it. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. It's time for me to get right with the Lord. It's time for me to come back to Jesus. You can put your hands down once you put it up, and I've seen it. Anybody else? Give about three more seconds. Please don't, don't sit around trying to figure out if you're going to be good enough. Just receive grace today. Make a profession of your faith. 
give yourself to the living God. Anyone else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time to get right with God. If that's you, raise your hand and I'll pray with you. Okay, God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. I see it. God bless you, sir. You can put your hands down. Now, those of you that lifted your hand, been almost 10 or so of you, just wanted, I said that number so you know you weren't by yourself and that I wasn't faking it. I want you to know that there are many making decisions for Jesus today. It's God that pulled on your heart. It's God that set you up to hear truth today. It's God that, I'm not a good enough preacher, I'm telling you, I know it. I'm not a smart enough individual to kind of convince you to change your whole life. Although it was the Lord that presented himself to you through truth. And it's him that you're serving. It's him that you're giving yourself to. And the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Right where you stand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance, a prayer of confession, a prayer of making him the Lord of your life, just like that thief did on that cross. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray this out loud with those who lifted their hand. But those of you that lifted your hand, I want you to mean it with all of your heart. Be sincere about this. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Yes, say it out loud. Jesus, today I surrender. My life, my desires, my fears. And I say here and now, you are the Lord of heaven and earth. That you are the way. You are the truth. And you are the life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. I receive grace through faith. Jesus is my Lord. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. I pray in this holy moment, in this moment where you are here and the believers are here, those of us that have been right where they have been, praying that prayer, crying out to God, giving our hearts over to you. God, I pray in that moment, in this holy moment, they would sense forgiveness. They would sense that it's over, that they don't have to strive. It's not according to their works. And Lord, I pray right now that a love that is unprecedented, a love that's real and sincere would begin to bubble up in their heart and that they would sense how deep, how wide, how long, how far is your love for them. And that, Lord God, they would understand in their knower, in their little knower of knowers, that nothing now can separate them from your love, that they are yours, they belong to you. And that it's not about being good or bad, but it's about being yours. And Lord, I pray right now, that you'd begin to help them with their flesh, with all their old sinfulness, oh God. Lord, I just pray for a holy cleansing. Lord, I pray right now everything that they used to desire, the drugs, the sex, all the stuff that they're embarrassed and ashamed of, and cigarettes, and also they didn't want to come to church because they thought we might find out. Lord, just right now let all the love for all that, all the desire for that just wash away. Lord, to where they can't even find it. They can't even tap into it anymore. And Lord, may they, like your holy scriptures say, become a new creature in Christ right now. Old things, all their old stuff, all their old mentalities, philosophies, insecurities, fears, may the old things pass away and everything become new in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.